Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin and Sherelle McMillan. The Ross and Sherelle show. Never had it. Should be a fun first one. We'll get right into it. We sort of debated what to talk about. Sherelle and John yesterday talked about Syracuse and Louisville, and I talked about Louisville with Dewey over the weekend. But, guys, let's talk about Joel Berry. And we're going to do a little reminiscing and pontificating on this show. But I'll start with you, Ross, since you suggested we discuss it. In your mind, uh, Joel Berry's career, he's got three regular season games left and then potential nine more tournament games. 10 maybe if they don't get a double buy but your thoughts on where Barry sort of ranks as, as a Carolina point guard and as a Roy Williams point guard yeah I mean I think when you look at what the point guards under Roy Williams you think about Raymond Felton Ty Lawson uh, Kendall Marshall Marcus Page those are the main guys I believe you know obviously a guy like Bobby Frazier played one year as a starter but those are the ones that come to mind when I think of uh, point guards under Roy. And that's kind of, I think it's a really cool uh, discussion to have. And obviously Ty Lawson and Raymond Felton are kind of at the top, given what they did in their three years at UNC and the national championships they won. And it just seems like, I don't know, they they were better players and better pro prospects than Joel Berry. Joel Berry's, you know, obviously stayed four years now and won a lot of games and has that national championship from last season and, and obviously played, a great role in, in this season, which has turned out to be, you know, I think, you know, up there as, as a pretty good season, maybe not the, one of the best under Roy, but a really solid season. So I think the debate goes, you know, is Joel Berry thought of as a better point guard than those two guys or where is he ranked compared to Marcus Page? I think the Page Berry discussion is, is a very interesting one given they played together. And I think Marcus Page and fans' eyes is kind of held to a certain level because of what he did during the time he was at UNC a weird time when they were dealing with NCAA stuff. They didn't have as much talent, and Marcus Page put the team on his shoulders so many times. A couple game winners. Obviously, that last game against Villanova was huge. That run to the Final Four as well. And so I'll shoot this question back to y'all. You know, Barry or Page, where do you lie in that debate? We can kind of bounce around some ideas there because I think that's an interesting conversation to have. Sherelle, I'll let you take it, but I'll say this out the gate, and I said it off the air. I think to be in the discussion for the greatest or the best, I think you have to have a championship, and that's just me. I mean, I think you can be really good, but can you be great or the best without a national championship? So my angle in this discussion will be coming from there, but Sherelle, I'll let you go first. This is really uncomfortable for me. I'm not uh I'm not typically one who does comparisons and uh tries to figure out, you know, who was better at a certain time. But uh I think of the national championship winning point guards under Roy Williams. And this is gonna sound bad because it, it makes it seem like I'm dissing him, but I think Joel I think Joel Berry's clearly third behind Ray Felton and Ty Lawson. I don't think it's particularly close. And that's again, that's no disrespect to Joel Berry, but uh, those two guys were, I think, better players throughout their careers, uh, more all-around point guards. Um, granted, I don't think you know Ty didn't win Final Four, Most Valuable Player. Uh, he still just he, there are things that both of those guys can do that, again, no fault of his own that Joel Berry just isn't capable of. 
and I, I keep caveating to no disrespect to Joe Barry because I don't want to see it like I'm dissing him because he has been very important for North Carolina basketball the last four years, um, playing alongside Marcus Page. So I, I think he'd be third in that conversation. As far as comparing him to Page, there is <clears throat> interesting because neither is a uh, Page was more of a traditional point guard than Barry was, but Page was forced because of North Carolina's roster for a couple of years to be the primary scorer, the primary facilitator, to kind of be the team's everything. And uh, I think that skewed how people see him a little bit because he really was a good passer. He was just kind of a, you know, a really solid point guard who had to start a year before he was really ready to. I think what Joel Berry has is felt in like intangibles. He has the, the knack for hitting a big shot. Um, I think he is Page's equal at that. I know that sounds controversial because Marcus Page hit. So, okay, two things. Because Marcus Page hit some really big shots. But if you go to the National Championship game, the most underrated shot in history is not the three that he hit. It is that two-pointer where he just pulled the ball out of, I don't know what he did. Somehow the ball went in the basket when I think Carolina was down five. I don't know how that happened. I'll never understand it, but it went in. So that is my long way of saying I think Joel Barry and Marcus Page are are comparable. They're they're equals, but Barry does have the championship, and that kind of trumps all. So um, it's interesting conversation. If you were giving me, you know, if I had to pick one to you know start a team with or whatever, I probably would go Page. But you know, again, Barry is beyond successful at Carolina. Ross. Hold, hold on, let me let me jump into you, Ross, right fast, and we'll we'll continue to bounce. But there's multiple discussions here, and Sherelle said no disrespect to Barry, and absolutely not. It's like we're talking about the Mount Rushmore of Roy Williams point guards, and there's five guys up there, and somebody's got to be third, fourth, and fifth. And there's no disrespect to be on the Mount Rushmore, but for me, if we're talking about pro ability, uh, you got to really go with Raymond Felton, he's been on the pro roster forever. Now, Ty Lawson's the most talented, I thought, could do the most. Um, But anyway, I didn't mean to jump in, but I think that Barry's place is without question, especially depending on how this year plays out. He could certainly move to the top of the list for me, but I agree with you, Sherelle, that Felton and Lawson were maybe better basketball players. But Joe Barry in college has been ridiculous. Yeah, I was going to ask Shirelli, out of um, uh, Raymond Felton and Ty Lawson, who do you have kind of as, as the top there, just on based on UNC performance? Oh, I think it's is... such a tough one because they both got those championships. They both had such a hard-nosed kind of offensive approach and both could knock down the three and very kind of similar players with, with slight differences. Y'all are really trying to get like the message boards on fire tomorrow, aren't you? you I can you I can people. hear you squirming from here, man. <laughs> um, so uh, another thing I, I will say too is there's always this conversation about, uh, and me and my friends have had it for a long time about most accomplished and most talented. And most accomplished and most talented are two different things. I think, and I, I'm just going to keep saying no disrespect because it comes <laughs> off as it comes off as like, oh, you're dissing this player. But take Tyler Hansborough and Antoine Jameson. I don't think anyone who knows basketball would say that Tyler Hansborough overall is a better player than Antoine Jameson. But I think you can say he's much more accomplished than Antoine Jameson because not only did he win National Player of the Year twice, but he also won a national championship. So there's there's kind of how do you weigh those things? And um, that comes into play with Joel Berry. That comes into play with Page and with Felton and Lawson. 
Now, every metric known to man pretty much would tell you that Ty Lawson was the best point guard to ever play for Roy Williams. Personally, just for myself, and I think I'm a little bit biased because I was in school with with Ray and in school with Sean May and all those guys, I would I would start a team with Felton above any point guard ever at Carolina. That includes some numbers that are retired. That includes other national championship winning point guards. But I just, uh, <clears throat> I really enjoyed watching Raymond Felton play. I enjoyed his combination of ferocity and uh, skill and you know, just the ability to lead a team that had a lot of personalities and, and lead a team uh, to a championship. And he improved so much from his freshman to his junior year. So there's no wrong answer. Ty Lawson, Joel Berry, Marcus Page, Bill Ford, Jimmy Black, Hendrick Rodel, uh, Derek Phelps, Jeff McGinnis, whoever you want. There's no wrong answer, but um, I would go with Felton. Yeah, I mean, there's even a discussion there, like the the one you'd want in a dark alley type player. And Ross, I'm, I'm not going to go back into the 90s too much because I'm going to show my age, but, you know, you give me a, you give me Jeff McGinnis and that, setting and i always thought stackhouse and wallace were the best carolina players uh, at least for me watching they were my favorite to watch stackhouse mckinnis and wallace in that era but anyway i think felton lawson page and barry and then kendall marshall last yeah and obviously i mean kendall marshall was was the best passer in terms of just pure passing and and court vision i think page and maybe lawson felton up there as the best shooters Page obviously hurt, holds a record, but Ty Lawson could shoot the ball, especially this junior season. Um, Page, maybe the, the best defender. Roy always talks about how Lawson didn't play any defense until it really mattered. Um, and obviously Lawson was so quick, too. Had eight steals in the national championship game. So it's just a variety of point guards. It shows you how important a good point guard is to this team. And when you have that guy has a little dog in him, a little add to a little chip on their shoulder. It's such a advantage for this, this UNC team. And I think Joel Berry's kind of shown that, that just kind of grit, that kind of, that kind of motion and attitude of point guard is huge. And that goes without saying. And I think it's especially important for a team uh, like North Carolina has this year in that there isn't one person or besides Joel Berry, that is, I don't think there's one person who really will get in someone's face and, and say, look, you need to do better or, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and this is what we expect of you. Uh, so that's vitally important. And Joel Berry definitely has that characteristic <clears throat> throughout his career, really. He has been someone who both led by example and led by telling people what to do. By example, because he is so ultra-focused, so hyper-focused when games start uh, throughout games that he's not going to let anything rattle him. He's been through every situation, um, and he knows pretty much what to do no matter what. And <clears throat> him and Coach Williams are kind of, I'm not going to say they're <laughs> they have the same mind, but <clears throat> oftentimes Barry is thinking exactly what what Coach Williams wants him to do. Um, and that's definitely a huge benefit. And there are other point guards at North Carolina and, you know, frankly, a whole bunch of other places where that's not the case. So it's invaluable to have someone like Barry who not only has his mindset to kind of just go out and dominate on the court, but who also is in lockstep with his head coach. Kind of to bounce off that, I mean, Theo Pinson's personality as well has been huge for this team. Because he, I mean, obviously he's not the best, you know, you know, in terms of just skill level, but his personality, his leadership, the motion, his kind of confidence he's shown the last two seasons has been huge for this team. Nothing intimidates him. He'll guard anybody. He's very selfless with the ball. Um, and I think that what he's done this year and kind of leading this team and, and being a facilitator and guarding big men has been huge for the success, especially in this last 
five games. Um, I think people will look back on that as, as what he's done. That may not show up in the box score, even though he does you know, stuff the, the stat line. His just versatility is kind of unique. Because um, you guys like you guys guys you have guys like Danny Green and Marcus Skinyard and Tokido who've had that kind of same ability to to be a six six type wing, but Pinson it was a better passer I think than all three of those guys, and also his ability to rebound, lead, and also defend big men I think is kind of unmatched in, in recent UNC history. I'm, I'm trying to think of a player that kind of compares to his skill set. Uh, I think it's a very interesting dynamic to this team, a team that needed someone to kind of step up and, and play that that stretch four type of wing forward position that he does. I'll say that his d- defense of Bagley, and I said this on the podcast the other day, is one of the more impressive things I've seen a Carolina player do because he's clearly outsized. Bagley, I think, is the best player in the country, and he held him down. He'll get another shot here in a in a week or so, but – Sherelle for the Pinson comparison. And I don't think there really is one. And I don't think that people will recognize the importance of Theo Pinson and how good he's been until he's gone next year and they don't have that guy. Uh, a part of it is that basketball is, is very different from what it was 20 years ago, or even when Roy Williams arrived in Chapel Hill 15 years ago. So there are people, I think, comparable as far as the ability to be versatile who maybe didn't get the opportunity because either North Carolina had a more balanced roster or they had players in the post who they trusted a little more. So Theo has had a chance. He's had a chance to to kind of showcase himself to say, you know, NBA, I can play point guard if you need me to. NBA, you know, here's me guarding a guy who's going to be a power forward, you know, uh, top five pick next year. NBA, here's me guarding a wing who's going to play in the NBA. NBA, here's me guarding a point guard. So he's showing all these things he can do. And a lot of guys, frankly, just didn't have that opportunity because North Carolina was, like I said, probably a a better team or a more talented team. But all that to say, what he's showing is just is really tremendous. And there are seeds of it that you could see in high school, Um, just him and Harry Giles and Jaquel Richmond and some of those guys back at Wesleyan uh, five or six years ago. You could see point uh, Theo playing some point guard at times, and Theo would duck down. And if he needed to guard the best team's opposing uh, perimeter player, he would do it. If he needed to guard the uh, opposing team's best post, who usually wasn't six eleven or anything, but was more like six eight or six nine, then he would do it. And he also him and, and Barry they talked about it a little bit in the off season. They've been responsible for somewhat of a culture change at UNC. Uh, it's weird to say that Joel Berry has made North Carolina more loose, but I think the combination of him and Pinson has just allowed uh, Carolina's players to have fun because there are times when I think being a North Carolina player can be grating and it can be uh, taxing and it can just be not fun. And you have to have people who say, not only are we playing a game that's fun, but also we're playing it at one of the best schools in the country. Let's enjoy it. And that's what Pinson and Barry, I think, have brought to UNC over the last four years. That's a great point there. I mean, my two sons love to follow those guys on Instagram and social media and stuff because they're hilarious. And you're right. It, they're playing a game. They're having fun. And you can have fun at Carolina. I agree that in the past, Carolina's been too uptight, maybe. Um, you know, if not out and about, definitely on the court and the persona they put off. And, and I think Theo and Barry have certainly changed that. Ross, something else I think they've changed is – maybe not changed, but they've shown it more is, you know, Carolina's not a team you can quote unquote mess with anymore. 
You know, a lot of times teams would come at Carolina and knock them in the mouth and have a problem, or Carolina would have a problem responding. I think Barry especially and Theo too have really changed that aspect of it. It's a finesse basketball game. It's a finesse sport, as Dean Smith used to always say. But Carolina, those guys have really sort of changed Carolina into, you know, quote-unquote tougher team, at least on the court. Yeah, well, I mean, they had that back in 09, too, with I mean, Hansborough and, and those guys. I mean, you didn't want to mess with Hansborough down low. Um, I think Pinson is just kind of – his body is, is, is dominant in terms of what he can do physically. And I think Barry's kind of grit enhances that way. And, and Luke May, too, I mean, his kind of toughness and strength, he may be undersized, but in terms of his physicalness down low and just kind of how rugged he is as a post player has made UNC a little more intimidating. You, you still want them to have that kind of physical post player who grabs every rebound and still searching for that kind of uh, player. But that, the game has changed where that type of player is, is not as valuable in a game where it's so spread out. Um, but I think the size of, of what the team has right now could build on that with Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks. So interesting to see how that goes and, and who they get in. But um, I'm looking forward to see what Nasir Little can do next year with what he brings physically as a freshman and that kind of intimidation. So that he kind of has that attitude as well that obviously fans and, and teams love. Let me, let me take a quick break and I'm going to come back to you, Sherelle, because I want to get your comments there and also on Nasir Little and what maybe – a comparison he may have. But I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See reno.ie. Israel, as I adeptly cut you off while you were trying to come in before the break, um, let me ask you about Little and what maybe comparison. A lot of people um, want to say, you know, Cam Johnson's going to be like Justin Jackson and he's going to play that role. And now I think a lot of people may think that Little may come in and be in the Theo Pinson role, is that fair, unfair? What's your thoughts? Um, I'll answer that in a second, but I, I want to get this point out, if you don't mind. So <laughs> before the break, we were talking about toughness. And one person who I think really has helped that is Kenny Williams, uh, especially as he's gotten more playing time. If you recall, he was signed and committed to play at VCU. And at that time, uh, Shaka Smart isn't running it as much as te- at Texas. But at that time, he was still doing you know, his crazy full court uh, havoc is the name of it. So he was still running that. And there is a certain prototype and a certain style and a certain personality that it takes to play that system. Um, toughness, you have to want to rebound against bigger people. You know, people always use the phrase dog, you know, those kind of things. You know how I feel about those. But that's the phrase people use when they talk about players who played at VCU. And so I think you see that Kenny Williams has that, the way he rebounds all over the court, dives over everything, you know, hustles on defense. So I just, I didn't want to leave him out when we were talking about toughness um, and what that has meant for North Carolina this year, because frankly, I think teams in the past thought they could just play UNC and kind of overpower them um, or play UNC and, and just kind of kick them in the throat and they wouldn't recover. But with Theo Pinson, Joel Berry, Luke May, and Kenny Williams, that's not going to happen this year. Sure. Okay. Do you think they'll, do you think they'll miss that next year with, with Pinson and, <clears throat> Very gone. I mean, I think there's a lot of gaps in kind of the leadership and, and toughness. Role oh, yeah. There. 
Yeah, that's that's a great segue. You we were talking about Nasir Little. They'll definitely miss that. But I think Henson and Barry have been around so long that what they brought to the team is embedded in the players who have been around them the last couple of years. And it'll be that kind of thing that carries on even when they're gone. So Kenny Williams and Luke May will carry it on. I think the all all of the freshmen uh, have kind of learned. Brandon Robson, Seventh Woods, the main people who have influenced them on the court at Carolina have been Joel Barry and Theo Pinson. So I think you'll see their methods and their teachings carry on. Um, as far as Nasir and how he fits next year, uh, you know, it's interesting seeing there's there's some NBA decisions that have to get made. Um, there are just a, a few things that have to happen before we can say exactly what his role will probably be. But, uh, you know, he the, the Theo Pinson role is something he can do. I do think he's much more dynamic offensively. Um, I don't think he's as good of a passer or a ball handler as Pinson, especially if you're talking about senior Pinson versus freshman Little. Um, now, freshman Little versus freshman Pinson, I think freshman Little is better at pretty much everything. But if you're comparing senior to freshman, then it's a little different. But his one thing he'll do well is he'll play hard, um, he'll play defense, and he will finish around the basket with ferocity. Um, I think that's something that's missing from UNC this year. Although Barry and Pinson have gotten better at it, um, there's just something that you can't quantify when someone just goes up and dunks and screams and has a big play. And um, I think you've seen it a couple of times when it has happened this year, but I think you'll see it a lot more with Nasir Little next year, a lot more with Sterling Manley next year, and to some degree, a lot more with Kobe White next year. So the long answer is Nasir Little, that, that comparison is solid, uh, but I think he's a, a more dynamic offensive player overall. But Sherelle, tell me about Kobe White's ability to do that because he fills it up. Is he is that going to translate as a freshman? You know, as much as Carolina fans are hoping it will. Um. So I I'll answer that question <laughs> first. Let me say, <laughs> the, the, I'm sorry. There, you know, I think uh, Carolina fans. I want to preempt this early. There are no saviors uh, for North Carolina basketball. So just get out of your mind that Nasir Lowe is going to come in and average. 25 points and 15, you know, some ridiculous stuff. Like yeah, he's got, like, he, like, like Lou may, Lou may <laughs> won't average a double, double, exactly. <laughs> but he, he's, he's going to play well. And he, then he's going to struggle just like every freshman who ever has played at North Carolina has done. Maybe the exception of, of Jamison and Hansborough, but he, he's, he's going to have great games and he's going to have some bad games. Same thing with Kobe. He's going to have some great games. He's going to have some bad games. It's just the adjustment to North Carolina system and the adjustment to the ACC is, is bigger than I think fans and, and even some players think initially. And it just takes a little bit to get used to it. I mean, uh, Justin Jackson struggled a little bit. His, the beginning of his freshman year through that, I guess through that Duke game, Marcus Page struggled his freshman year, probably until that home game against NC state where he started hitting shots. Finally, um, Joe Barry struggled. Theo Pence, it, it's just something that that's going to happen. So fans need to get that in their head now that, these guys are not saviors. They're pieces. Um, there are no saviors. Okay. So <laughs> I think Kobe, he can finish like that in, in college. Um, I think he definitely needs to, you know, when he gets there to Carolina in June, uh, Jonas will get him in the weight room. He needs to put on a little more weight. And I think he has to develop uh, somewhat of a, a, a floater, maybe a, a quick pull-up jump shot, which he has in his arsenal, but he's just got to refine it because he can finish against college big men, but his body is going to take a pounding if he, kind of continues to play the way he does in high school um that he does if he continues to play in college how he did in high school which is he just goes to the rim with kind of no abandon for you know reckless abandon he doesn't really care about himself he just goes and tries to finish and that's a great mentality to have and i think that's why Roy williams loves him so much but 
he's got to just, you know, preserve himself a little bit because you don't want to be on the ground every play. And, you know, getting bumped by a 6'10", 250 guy is a little different from getting bumped by a 6'7", 210 guy. So all that to say, yes, he can do it. It's just going to take a little bit, I think. All right, Ross, easy question. (laughs) Best performance, and I said I was going to ask this, so we're going to go in keeping with the list theme. Best performance you've seen in person on the basketball court. Doesn't have to be Carolina. Preferable if it does, since it's Inside Carolina podcast. But if it's not, your thoughts there, share with us. I'll share mine, and then, Sherelle, you'll have your chance. Uh, man, I was at the Tyler Hansborough 40-point game against Georgia Tech his freshman year. I mean, that stands out to me just because of the numbers. Um, it kind of felt like what Luke May did against State this year in Raleigh, just kind of taking over and knocking down a variety of shots. That one just stands out. I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, obviously, you know, I had some big games in middle school, but we won't we won't talk about those. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, hands for I me. Mean, he was just so dominant. I caught a lot of those games. That's why I was in school there, and and what he was able to do, and, and uh, that year, his freshman year, uh, and obviously, I wasn't at the Duke game that year, but that Duke game at Duke when he broke Reddick and Sheldon Williams's uh, heart on the on senior night for those uh, Duke players. That that was kind of the, the coolest game to kind of watch as a, as a student, a fan. What happened that night? That 40-point game against Georgia Tech at home uh, stands out for me. Sherelle, I'll tell you, the best performance, one of the best games I remember in person, I'm break my rule, was Lynn Bias putting up 36 or 35 in the Dean Dome when Maryland beat uh, Carolina for the first time in the Dean Dome. But Carolina performance, uh, Forte, and this is funny because Forte had, what, 24 and 16 in Cameron stuck his head in the Duke huddle right in front of us and said, you can't guard me. Um, and we thought that was a big game. It was a huge game at the time, and now it seems like you know even Luke May is doing that on the weekly. But your thoughts on the, you know, the best performance you've seen on a basketball court? Um, in person, that Forte one was pretty ridiculous. He had 16 rebounds from the guard spot, eight assists, 24, 16, and eight in Cameron um, for a, a two-point win for UNC. Uh, that was pretty crazy. Uh, in person, <laughs> there was a guy who wore number 32 for UNC. Um, and like I said, I'm biased towards when I was in school. Um, but there was a guy who wore number 32 who was really good. He could score. Um, you know, he won a national championship at Carolina. But uh, in 2004, UNC played UConn in the Smith Center. And I think that number 32, I think he had 32 in that game. He uh, had the game-winning shot. Uh, it was a three um, from the left wing. So that, that was he was pretty dominant in that game. Uh, so that was one of the more impressive ones. I had one in mind, but it's probably not <laughs> apt for the uh, Inside Carolina podcast because the wound is still very sore. But there was a high school player from South Carolina who I watched a couple of years ago um, at a Chick-fil-A, uh, the Chick-fil-A tournament in Columbia. He put up 56 against a team who had four Division One players. And I had never seen anything like that in my life. Um, so I won't mention that player's name. I, I guess I didn't mention either player's name, uh, but those were two pretty impressive performances. Yeah, I, I love the nameless, and they shall remain <laughs> nameless. Let's uh, let's look ahead. Let's kind of rope this back around to uh, Carolina podcast, and let's talk about Syracuse briefly, Ross. Carolina's on this run. They go to Syracuse. I'd wager uh, it's probably the best Carolina team to face a Syracuse zone. I don't think Syracuse is as long as they usually are. But your take on Carolina traveling up there, 
10 and five in the conference, 11 and five in the conference is pretty much going to lock up a double by your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I thought the game out of those two games, Louisville and Syracuse, I thought Louisville was kind of the scarier one for UNC fans, just given that's a tough place to play UNC and Roy Williams uh, at UNC has never won um, in Louisville. So that one kind of was like, man, I think that's kind of a game that UNC would just kind of lose and kind of move on and, and go through the schedule. So the Syracuse one just seems like, it seems like a winnable game. They put up 60, 62 points and went over Miami on Saturday. They lost the state. They lost to Georgia Tech in January. I mean, it doesn't look like they're scoring a lot of points. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't watch much Syracuse basketball to, to break it down like a Greg Barnes could. But it just seems like UNC is scoring a lot of points against a team that in Syracuse is not putting up huge numbers. They're rolling. They're uber confident. The guys who UNC needs to hit shots are hitting shots. And Luke May and Joel Bear are continuing to be very consistent. And that's what we've said all along. You need Kenny Williams and Cameron Johnson to hit some shots. You need Joel Berry and Luke May to keep bringing what they're bringing. It seems like also Theo Pinson's kind of stepping up what he's been able to do in terms of uh, taking the ball to the basket and being aggressive and distributing the ball. So and I, I'm not sure of the line right now. I'm sure it'll come out tomorrow. But uh, it seems like Carolina will be, we will be a favorite. And it's kind of prime for another huge road, road win with just – I think they're playing super confident right now, riding into, I guess, the Miami game will be next. Sherelle, what will you and I be talking about on post-game podcast after that Syracuse game up there? When when we're done with that game, what are we going to be talking about when you and I get together for that podcast? I think we'll be talking about um, the continued slippage of the North Carolina defense. Whether or not we're talking about a win or not will be if they can continue being as efficient as they are, offen- uh, as they've been offensively. Um, if you look at, you know, everybody just swears by Kim Pomeroy stuff. And if you look at some of his numbers, uh, points for, you know, adjusted for 100 possessions, uh, this is the most points North Carolina is allowing per 100 possessions in the Royal Williams era. Um, obviously, that can change. There's fluctuation throughout the season. But I was really surprised by that um, because there have been times when they've looked pretty good on uh, defense. And then there are times where they've looked kind of putrid. And honestly, uh, that slippage for me started around the NC State game. Uh, I keep going back to it, but it took uh, people keep talking about how, oh, if Alec Freeman didn't go seven for seven at the Smith Center and then Carolina wouldn't have won. Well, if Carolina didn't shoot 78% from the field in the second half, then they wouldn't have beat State at Raleigh because NC State was shooting just as well. And, you know, Louisville didn't shoot great, but they weren't terrible either. I, I just, I think the defense has to get tighter because there's there's no greater recipe for an upset in March than a team who relies on outside shooting. They just get cold. And if you don't defend well, then you're going to lose. So I, I would hope to see some improvement defensively. Um, Tyus Battle is one of the the best scorers in the ACC. I think this is a game where Roy Williams might tell Kenny Williams, you know, give us what you can in offense, but just go, go guard Tyus, and we'll live with whatever else happens. So, hopefully, uh, what we'll be talking about is uh, a North Carolina win. But I think the defensive slippage is definitely going to be um, a topic one way or the other. That's a great point there because if the shots aren't falling in March and you're not committed on the defensive end, you start your summer break a lot earlier than you expected. But we'll see how the Hills do facing that Syracuse zone. Ross, you got anything else? Any other list? Any other things we missed? <laughs> I think that was a good little breakdown there. The Joel Berry talk, Thea Pinson talk, and a, a look ahead as the, as the Heels continue on their winning streak. 
What Ross? What's the, what's the, what's your favorite game? None favorite none Final Four game that you've covered. Um, non Final Four man. Right. Philly was. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the time I had at those different locations. Um, Philly was cool. Kind of the, the first regional I covered. That was 2016. Um, I mean, just Duke games are just awesome. Going at at Duke is just so cool because it's just a different vibe when you walk in that arena. You get there super early. The obviously the Cameron Crazies are rocking. And it's a it's a similar vibe in the Dean Dome. It's just um, obviously it's a little more condensed in Cameron. But you know the last Carolina game, uh, Duke Carolina game in the Dean Dome was awesome. And that was an awesome game. Crowd was rocking. And then go, <laughs> I think that's a that's a those stack up pretty well. Uh, I'm trying to think the last two NCAA tournaments. There's any ones that, that stand out? Um, Memphis was cool just because of all the ribs we ate. And obviously that that Luke May shot, and we, we rolled around with Hayes Permar of, of Sports Channel Eight, and, and took a a limo to this like little club, which was pretty cool as well. So you kind of think about the towns and, and what you do with the with the North Carolina media crew, and then you think about the games as well. That's kind of all plays into the experience. But at Duke, Dean Dome versus Duke are definitely stand out in my mind, and hoping to get there again. Uh, I guess March third of this year. Tommy, did you cover the uh, 97-73 game in 97 or 98? Uh, the, I started in 98-99 okay. Carolina. So they were – I started right after that. So, okay. Um, what about you then? The most memorable games that I've covered, uh, the last one in Reynolds, State Carolina, and I've talked about it on this show before, where Coda and Ronald Curry just egged the crowd on unmercifully. and. I thought the building was going to come down and somebody was going to die that night. And then in PNC, the state first state Carolina game in PNC is when Coda hiked it between his legs to Haywood for a dunk that happened right in front of JB Sissel and I. JB was doing video. In fact, he's got great video from it. And uh, and then that game at Durham, Forte's performance. And if my memory serves, Haywood uh, had free throws at the end. That could have iced it, and he may have missed them. And, and then, yeah. they, and then Dunleavy maybe missed a three. So it, it. it was funny because it, you know, uh, in '98 it was Wojo's senior night, and uh, Haywood had a chance to win the game or tie the game for Carolina, and he missed two free throws, and that was his freshman season. So his senior season, it was '83, '83. He gets the ball inbounded, and Battier for some reason runs into him at half court, and yep. so uh, Haywood makes both free throws, and then. It might have been Chris Duhon or maybe it was Battier basically almost hit a like fifty footer. Yeah, I think it was Dunleavy did <laughs> Dunleavy, that. You're right. Yeah, they would yeah. made those free throws. That place right. was insane. And, and I know people knock and Ross, you can speak to it too. People knock Cameron Indoor Stadium, but when that place gets rocking specifically for a Carolina Duke game, it's ridiculous. And I'm not yeah. saying the Dean Don doesn't get loud, but to sit on press row at Cameron indoor with those folks behind you and if you give them cookies they stay off your back <laughs> I learned that in a hurry but it, it is just insanity in there and I couldn't imagine I saw one game in Carmichael Auditorium growing up and I remember it being like that so I couldn't imagine if Carolina still played in that facility but anyway I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm ready to say, call that Forte game the best one I've seen sorry the the Forte at Duke the 24 16 and 8 uh, he was unconscious yeah. and he he told Carowell right there, you cannot guard me. 
you can't guard me. And he did it right in the middle of their huddle, right in front of us. We were down on the, if you're watching from your home, the right foul line is where inside Carolina used to sit that on the press row there. And it was just a dude went nuts that night. And, uh, yeah, that was impressive as I've seen a, a Carolina player put up a performance in person for sure. And it's funny and, and we need to wrap this one, but the players, and I remember Coda used to talk about it all the time. It, it didn't bother them. It, it was so loud that it was just deafening. So it was just like you're playing a game with earmuffs because you can't hear anything but it's basically like you've got your fingers in your ears and man, it is insane, especially when they're yelling like that. I mean, to be on the court, uh, it's a special time in there and the Smith center, you know, it it gets that way a few times, but yeah, Cameron is where it's at. And I know folks are going to rip us for that, but it it is what it is folks. And we're we're only two weeks away or less than two weeks away from UNC there. And is there a better group, more capable of handling, you know, all that we just talked about? Then, you know, a team led by Joel Berry, Theo Penson, Kenny Williams, and Luke May. They've absolutely. been there. They've done they've done absolutely everything you can do in college basketball. So if there's ever a group that you shouldn't be worried about, um, they might not win, but there's ever a group who shouldn't be intimidated, I think is that that uh those those four. Absolutely. Carolina and Syracuse Wednesday night, seven o'clock, up in the carrier dome. Uh, that that's an interesting place. That place is huge. It's like watching a game in an airport hangar. But anyway, Greg will be up there covering it for Inside Carolina. Sherelle and I will be on the post game. And Ross, I look forward to our next show that we do. We need to think of some good things to talk about. That'll do it for tonight, fellas. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.